Thank you for purchasing the Complete Beginner's Guide to Soccer Card Collecting. Chapter 1. Types of Cards Chapter 2. Where to buy cards Chapter 3. So, how stop, to care stop, for... Stop, stop, stop. We're not doing this. I shouldn't do the voice? No, we've had so many new people hit us up. You're, uh, you're scaring them away. You're, you're, you're not... No, no. I just thought it would be kind of good to do the whole thing well, as like it was if like a like an academic audiobook or something. But no. No, just do it like we normally do the show. Let's just roll the yeah, no, don't do that again. All right, should I just introduce the show? Please. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> Welcome to episode 17, a very special episode 17 of Soccer Cards United. And yes, this is my real voice. The other voice I was doing was an accent and apparently I'm not allowed to do characters on the show. So, my name is Jason and I'm one of the hosts of Soccer Cards United and that uh, young man there on the other end of the Zoom, although not so young anymore. Happy birthday by the way, Enzo. Um, hey Jason. Uh, Happy birthday Enzo. to you. And so Thank you. It was our, we have a birthday one one day after each other. It's a, not uh, it's a story for another time. But this Enzo, I'm so excited. It's a very special episode. We started doing Soccer Cards United back in July 2020, and since then it's uh, I guess grown beyond all of our expectations. And not only has the podcast grown, but the hobby has grown as well. And we've gotten an awful lot of people coming in from other uh, sections of of footballing life uh footballing investment footballing uh media coming in and asking us questions about it and we decided to put together a complete beginner's guide uh for soccer card collecting um yes yeah um thank god um i've got a lot of dms recently um from so many different people and they, they in fairness to them they've all been very apologetic like yo i'm sorry so, someone hit me up and said you're the most dm account that i have now and like we he first started following <laughs> me maybe like four days ago but like it's been heavy i've been in the trenches trying to help people because like, listen it's like when you were in the basketball discord you know if if you don't welcome people if you don't kind of help them find their feet they, they might not get, get into the hobby and that's they run fundamentally away. They run bad away. i guess altogether for everyone but yeah it's been interesting um i've been getting educated a little bit on the football so these are some hardcore football people coming in a lot of them from football index and a few other places but yeah we kind of decided it would be easier to kind of make this kind of one-stop shop next time someone hits me up with questions saying literally like i know nothing but i want to know stuff we can just say check this one out instead of saying check out all of the podcasts that we've ever done ever we send them here and it's kind of a a one-stop shop for what they need Right, so usually the show is a combination of uh, football and of uh, hobby talk. So um, I guess like the main intention of the show is it has this like kind of dual thing going on of one, it's for people who are into cards, into collecting, into investing, into trading, but don't necessarily have their kind of finger on the pulse uh, soccer-wise. Um, that's kind of our main segment usually, but we're starting to see more and more this new... Uh, kind of cohort coming in who do have their finger on the pulse soccer wise but having a fucking breeze what's going on uh, with all these cards so and um, we're trying to uh, do an episode for them if you're one of our regular listeners who knows cards like the back of your hand and knows football and doesn't really need to be led through what kinds of cards there are uh, how you buy cards how you sell cards where you trade cards what grading is you know all this stuff uh, then you can skip this episode it's fine we do hope there'll be some value in for our regular listeners and of course you get some classic jason enzo banter uh, but this is mainly for people who are roughly confident that they know uh football soccer um but uh they don't know what cards are they'd like some advice on cards and we're going to take it through you've never heard of cards before all the way to you're ready to to go on your journey love it um enzo do you have your notes yeah i have a long list of things here that we, we need to make sure we kind of say 
everything this we're not going to give a comprehensive guide of everything but this is as close as i think you're going to get for kind of a hour or so yeah it's not going to be like we're not going to be talking um you know price histories we're not going to be talking about you know loads we're not going to throw loads of numbers loads of statistics kind of it's this is like you've come in and it's you're in a dark room someone said go in there there's great stuff in that room and you go in and uh you can't see anything and then you kind of feel your way around there's a bell you you ring the you ding the bell and then an old man comes out from behind a desk and says yes and he turns a little light on and you can kind of see around the room now and you feel confident to move around and explore it more it's not a full not a full light but a little lamp to gu- to guide you away that's what this podcast is i love it okay so enzo let's start at the very beginning when a person says soccer cards what are the different kinds of things they could be referring to? What falls under the umbrella of soccer cards? Meaning, like, how many different types of soccer cards are there? Yeah, so there's... I mean, listen, when they say that, it's such an open statement. You're you're going back 100 years, probably a little bit more. So everything and anything, to an extent. But if you really want to break it down to the kind of the mainstream... It's the same way as saying, like, what's what, how many football leagues are there? You could say, you know, the top five. You, you could say the top team in each country in Europe. Or you could, you know, you could dive really deep into the Bolivian third division. So we're, we're not there. So I have done from time stop to time. Stop it. Um, so, yeah, we're talking Champions League here. So you say types of cards. There's two major brands in, in, in this game. Top, But even, even before even before, before that, that, even before that, even before oh, that. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when someone says soccer cards. Yeah. That is used sometimes interchangeably. It could mean it could be a sticker. Somebody yeah. could say soccer cards are referred to a trading card game somebody could say soccer cards are referred to a cigarette card so soccer cards when you hear it during this podcast when you hear it in general don't limit yourself you will hear people call everything and anything that is a paper or cardboard soccer collectible you will hear that called a soccer card so anyway Enzo was going to say there's two main manufacturers currently working and they are Tops and Panini mm. now um, Panini is kind of, it's kind of I don't know Tops is very very together if that makes sense like like for example panini, tops are an american company yeah tops are an american co- company panini is is more like comes out of uh, italy based in europe and essentially literally panini kind of are set up that each european country has its own kind of access to panini products specific panini products yes. whereas tops is kind of like oh there's this cool german product or american product and you can still kind of buy it so like tops is more accessible in terms of mm-hmm. the more premium high-end stuff and um, panini not so much at the minute but we're getting there um most most of the kind of high-end cards the kind of the most desirable ones i guess um are being released in the states so panini america and then tops but again as i've said tops are starting to i mean both of them are, are really starting to hit the european market it's just kind of harder to get our hands on like the kind of sealed wax so yeah those okay. are the two main companies and um they have a lot of different sets I just want to say as well that in terms of how long these companies have been operating, uh, Tops was founded in 1938. Panini was founded in 1961. So these are companies that have been producing cards and stickers and cigarette cards, trading cards, memorabilia for a long time. You will hear other names of other manufacturers thrown around if you go far back say in the uk you might find some churchman cigarette cards you might hear about some upper deck cards if you're talking about especially the, the 90s the 1990s and um, you might hear of um, futera who are another brand as well 
Yeah. Um, Merlin Premier Gold as well, the Premier League. Yeah, maybe years. a lot of people listening will be familiar with, with Merlin. Merlin were a similar company who were bought eventually by Tops. So uh, you need really only concern yourself as a total beginner with there's tops and there's panini and they each have different sets, different ranges, different models, if you like. Different licenses as well. So um, tops has the Bundesliga and they have the Champions League, whereas panini pretty much have everything else. Yeah. So, you know, every once in a while, the licenses for it's exactly the same as, say, kit manufacturers. So like right now, tops have certain licenses, panini have certain licenses and but that, that's open to change. There's Tops Champions League products and Panini Champions League products going throughout the years. Um, so Enzo, let's start with traditionally when someone says like soccer card, like what is like the purest kind of soccer card a person could have? The purest? Meaning like it could be like, what I mean is like what are like the the premier products? Like not, not where you have to go, well, I guess it's a sticker, but yeah, okay, it's a card. Okay, or I guess okay. it's match attacks, but it's really a card or, you know. Yep. So each of them, two companies, have multiple sets that they release throughout the years, um, throughout the year. Um, so essentially, there's certain things that are kind of, you know, creme de la creme, and there's certain products that are kind of more, you know, basic and normal off. So for Panini, you're looking out for Panini Prism. That's kind of their main set. And then they also have, like, Don Russ, which which has, like, optic. Like Okay, so it's basically Prism, Don Russ, and then Select for Panini. Those are the three major... Right brands that they release so you can think of it sorry i just i, just, I keep trying in analogies because i think it's helpful <laughs> like you can think of it almost like um say for panini right so panini's card sets you have prism you have uh don ross what was the third one you said select so yeah so say panini or so panini prism panini select panini don ross would be like in like old apple terms it would be like ipod ipod nano ipod shuffle they're all iPods, they're all made by Apple, but they're just different different product lines. Yeah, love it. And then Tops, you have Tops Chrome, um, mm-hmm. Tops Finest, and then Tops Museum. Museum. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a few here and there kind of differences, but those are kind of the main. So Tops, Tops Chrome, again, because of their licenses, there's Tops Chrome Bundesliga released once a year and Tops Chrome Champions League, which released once a year. And for new listeners that do want to try to get their hands on product, I think Tops Chrome Champions League will be released. It should be released on the 2nd of December. So that would be probably your next big uh, drop unless Bundesliga Museum comes out. But I don't, I'm not sure about that. Right. So you have all these like premier sets. And like when you, when you open, when you buy one of these boxes, we'll talk about buying cards in a minute. If you were to buy one of these boxes, it will contain various sets. And then ends up within each of those sets, there's a checklist. So there's a, a list of players that are printed in the set. And some players have just like the base, what they call a base card, which is just the basic version of the card. Some players will have a base card and what they call a parallel. A parallel is like a variant of the base card, which is generally rarer. No, which is always rarer than the base. And then you have um, maybe some numbered cards. So an even shorter list of players would have base cards, parallel cards, and then numbered parallel cards. And then you can also have in some sets, autographed cards, which are uh, cards that have either been signed directly by a player, they're called on-card autos, or uh, sticker autos, which is where the player has spent an afternoon signing a bunch of stickers, and they've been distributed to various memorabilia. Yeah. So uh, a checklist is a huge, huge... So basically, every box, the value from a box doesn't really come from its brand or its set necessarily. Like like a Prism or a Topps Chrome will always have some 
kind of inherent value because of how the box is set up like a hobby box of of tops chrome you're guaranteed an autograph in it stuff like that certain amount of parallels and um, but the checklist is key a uh, checklist will always be released before the box actually goes on sale but a lot of the times the boxes will kind of pre-order associated with them before the checklist comes out so it will actually probably be sold out before you've actually seen the checklist but you know with that's why with a tops chrome you know for a fact it's probably going to be good stuff if you know what i mean um yeah yeah assessing the checklist is really important it tends to be like, cardboard connections is a great place to see it they always kind of upload really in-depth thing but it is good to get like if there's 100 cards in the checklist that doesn't mean every 100 players in that checklist has an autograph and that's important to know exactly yeah so and it also like so this is where it comes in that obviously the part we haven't mentioned yet is that some players um are more valuable than others so that's just the exact same as as in anything really i mean in actual transfers yeah. some players are more valuable than others in you know whatever some players are better value to score a goal uh, on, on a betting market than others some players are more expensive on fantasy premier league than others it's the exact same idea as that and basically that value is dictated by the collector base so the collector base refers to the people out there who want any particular card so let's say for uh cristiano ronaldo there's a very big collector base for Kylian Mbappe is a slightly smaller collector base. For I don't know, for Thomas Muller, there's a very small collector base, you know, compared to the bigger ones. So basically if you imagine it, the I always think it's easiest to think of the very, very, very wealthy collectors. They're ultimately providing the liquidity into the market. They sit at the top and they want certain things. And then based on that, they inject money into the market to say, I want to get that card. And they basically, like almost like fracking for oil, they inject the money in and they hope that the card after a while will pop back up. And then unlike fracking, nothing goes on fire uh, in a kitchen or anything. But um, yeah, so cards, pretty straightforward, Enzo. It's pretty straightforward to understand these, these like a box of tops Chrome. I get it. But then people start talking about stickers. Yep. Now take us through that. So again, uh, the hobby, it's important to kind of point out and understand like the hobby kind of stems from the United States in terms of its kind of mainstream thing. And for them, it's always just cards, cards, cards. You know, that's what they've had in Europe with Panini pretty much blazing the way they, they've always released sticker sets. You know, everyone will be familiar. Even if you're not in the hobby, this is the kind of interesting thing. You probably are aware of like the World Cup sticker sets. Having a fo- having yeah. a Premier League album or a World Cup album and you're supposed to fill it up. Like, I think we've all kind of been exposed to that one way or another, whether we wanted to be or not. Yeah, free. Like, there's like, you know, World Cup or Euros or something, and you'll get like free with every copy of the, uh, I want to say a newspaper that I don't hate. Free with every copy of, no, there isn't one. Uh, anyway, free with every copy of the newspaper. There's, <laughs> there's a, uh, uh, panini uh, world cup album and five sticker packs and then you know you start it and then you're like oh i actually want to fill this up you go you buy the little packs uh, from the shop or whatever so that's most people who are in uh europe or yeah who are in europe when they have soccer cards described to them the first place they'll jump to is like oh is that like that's like stickers that's like football stickers and um, now some of those stickers are more rare obviously than others and unlike cards and so these stickers don't have parallel well i guess they have shinies or whatever but that's not the same no there's no there's no real parallels with stickers um certain world cup albums and european euro albums um different countries had different colored backs so that kind of made certain things rarer than others and for the last two world cups switzerland this is just a random fact switzerland for the last two world cups have had um 
their own special sets. So for 2014, they had a platinum version, so everything was kind of silver. And then 2018, they had the gold stickers. So if you ever see any gold 2018 stickers, they're rarer. And they all just came from Sweden, uh, Switzerland. Sorry. Um, so there's no real... That's the thing. So there's less value. Okay, basically, in soccer, because it's such an old sport, uh, most of the, the kind of iconic players, rookies, are stickers. Because there was so no that We'll tell everybody what a, what a rookie is in a minute. Yeah. But like, so soccer is kind of what made stickers kind of important uh the kind of because it's older and stuff but then if you look at Kylian Mbappe for example his first ever card soccer card if you will was was a sticker yeah and then that had this crazy value we'll get to that bit later but essentially the value and we don't want to jump ahead too much but the value that stickers come from even though essentially every sticker is a base card if you will there's no parallels there's no autographs etc uh, the value comes from the kind of difficulty to keep a sticker in good condition than it would be with a card because they're a lot more flimsy yeah. etc i i'm i i yeah so it, it it actually it's weird i've never considered this up until this very point i've never had to this is a good exercise for us because we've never had to put a lot of this stuff quote unquote on paper like you know but if you think about a, uh, a set like tops chrome or panini prism which has maybe an autograph which has this that or the other that has some inherent value because it is a what they call a hobby product so there's some collector out there who will value the autograph or will value the 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 assigned scarcity but stickers is really just an exercise in pure market economics stickers is just all supply and demand there's nothing inherently valuable about a sticker there's never really an autograph on it there's never a it never has a really rare design. You're not going to get a one-of-one one sticker. They're always um, kind of mass-produced for the most part. Yeah, they're mass-produced, so it's really just about how rare they are. So most of them are worth nothing. And then some... That's the thing. I'd say most stickers are worth nothing, but some stickers are worth an incredible amount, whereas the spread, I guess, on cards is slightly smaller because even the quote-unquote worthless cards, if they have an autograph on them or if they have, you know, if they're one-of-five cards ever produced, they will have some inherent value. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, right, then roughly, I, I, yeah, I know this is a lot, so everyone just take a breath, maybe pause for 15 seconds and start again, but we'll keep talking. Um, so, Match Attacks and Adrenaline XL. And so these are like trading card games, I guess. Um, yeah, tell us about what these yeah. are. Match Attacks, such, such a big brand in terms of like recognition. I think if you came in here know nothing about soccer cards, you hear Match Attacks, you're like, I know that. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, fundamentally speaking, absolutely like i don't want to say absolutely worthless but absolutely worthless um it's weird they're, they're similar to stickers and so much that they're mass produced but they're just somehow worse it's they're just not really yeah well they have they have for the most there's part a, there's this whole element of because they match attacks and, and adrenaline xl so match attacks one tops produce adrenaline xls one panini produces they have these little numbers on them and they're like kind of like pokemon cards like or magic the gathering cards they're like yeah you know uh and that kind of has in europe like people will be familiar with match attacks like i would have collected them as a kid and stuff like that but in america when they say cards like when they say hobby the hobby or when they say hobby box they're, they're talking about again valued comes inherently from it as a collectible not because oh this guy has 62 attacking and 85 defense yeah um interesting enough for um match attacks recently they've they've started putting kind of like lottery ticket-esque autographs in in some of them so super 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 rare you buy a match attacks you might get an autograph that's a super that's a really really smart kind of marketing move from them the autographs in that case 
do have value and they have really good value but that's more so just a way to try sell match attacks essentially match attacks really are not what you're going for if, you, if you're looking for if you want to start collecting Mbappe or Ronaldo and you start buying lots of match attacks the value in 10 years time might go up a little bit but it'll be so so fractional and just wouldn't be worth your time essentially yeah like there's this whole debate raging at the moment not raging but there's this whole debate going on about match attacks and whether top's recent uh you know putting in the the autographs was a good move a bad move whether people should be buying match attacks we are staunchly i think anti-match attack on this show yep um but that's really an advanced conversation. You don't, you don't need to worry. As someone who's just getting started, you don't need to worry about whether or not you should be buying match attacks. Buy a load of packs and, and hope you get an autograph or don't. Like, it's not a big deal. But but just generally be aware that they're not going to get a lot of love. You know, but just be careful because, like, I, I remember a few months back, someone hit me up and said, I'm killing it and no one, like, I'm buying all these Ronaldos. And he sent me, like, hundreds of cards, like 700 cards. And they were all match attacks. Mm. And it's like... Even if you got them for a euro each, that's 700 euro. Do you know what I mean? And he definitely yeah. didn't get them for a euro each. So it's like, Jesus. And it's just like, they could go up in value for sure. But it, I guess there's less liquidity as well. Like you're not really, not a lot of people, there's not a big demand to people buying them, no, etc. to move. Yeah, it, there's a big, big difference between match attacks. As we said with like the tiers, you know, you're, you're looking at tops chrome at the top. Match attacks is very much at the very bottom of that pile. Yes. Yeah. and just shouldn't really be it's not where you want to run to if, you, if you're new it's it's literally if you're in europe it's pretty much the only thing you can easily get your hands on but there, there's a reason for that yeah now there's one more thing i want to talk about enzo which is going back to the cards we did mention this is specifically for tops and um, we did mention that they have tops chrome tops finest tops museum and they are kind of what tops would call their their u.s brands they're the american traditional hobby brands that you know the imprints that now do uh soccer product so like for anyone who doesn't know like there will be a, a say a champions league tops chrome set every year but then there'll also be like an mlb tops chrome set nfl nba whatever it is so um although i don't i think panini have the nba license. it doesn't matter anyway so uh, there's a separate basketball podcast doing another episode you can listen to about that um but yeah then you have these things enzo people will see which are like tops will sometimes produce short run uh sets either curated sets they call them or on demand sets or tops now or the living set and um, just briefly talk to us about some of these non-traditional uh soccer cards that tops have gotten into yeah so this is it's, it's interesting tops are doing a lot more to try put premium product if you will into the hands of europeans um so just a quick one so the curate I, I put the curated sets and the tops on demand all into the same kind of bracket anyway they're kind of in intermediate sets that tops are putting out um throughout the year in between the kind of big releases and there can be value in them i mean there tends to be you know a bit of value in each in each one so so for example the curated set they did a borussia dortmund curated set which was just this the, the big issue with uh, the big difference between like tops now i mean tops on demand is like their sets say if there's a 32 card checklist right Every person that gets a box of their set will get all 32 of them cards. You know, whereas right. in a hobby box, you're not guaranteed that. Yeah. But the value in a tops in a tops on demand set is that there'll be a certain percentage chance of getting an autograph or getting a parallel card, which right. is where the value comes from. So, for example, um, the Borussia Dortmund curated set came out at like 20 euro. It was all of the Borussia Dortmund team which featured Haaland, um, this was last year, so there was no Bellingham, so Haaland, Sancho, and Giovanni Reina, 
and there was a yeah. one in 20 so every out of 20 boxes there was one box that had an autograph in it and then so obviously those autographs had big value but that box came out at 20 euro and it was a point where the Haaland in the box which we were guaranteed to get was selling for 25 you know so it was the like, actual base Haaland yeah yeah there's the standard run of the mill base and eventually that kind of changed but then as time has gone on like if you had just bought lots of them like now the Giovanni Reina goes for 30 right but every single yeah. box you got that you know so there was value there then they tops put out on the tops on demand um Giovanni Reina set which was super limited edition I think 1700 made it had a 50% chance of an on-card autograph. It was eight Giovanni Reina cards or 10 Giovanni Reina cards, I think, um, with a 50% chance of an on-card auto and a potential of a parallel card as well, which was just super exciting. I bought that for 46 euro and it's currently selling for 260. Right. And I, I had, they haven't even posted it to me yet. I'm still waiting on, on getting yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, I got a price. Tops on Demand set back in August and it came last week. So, yeah, so Tops on Demand is basically like they print it after all the orders are taken yeah but like they're they're interesting sets they're kind of fun ones to kind of as if it's your first set they're they're affordable they're kind of more readily available and there's a good chance they'll go up in value or if not you'll break even pretty much so they're, they're fun they're fun fun to get your hands on um yeah tops now super super interesting product so tops they have the bundesliga and they have the champions league licenses so what tops now do basically and the europa league oh and the europa league yep yeah. so basically if something happens in a Champions League game, Europa League game, or Bundesliga game, that is of a note. They will make a card and have it available to buy direct from their website for seven days. And then yeah. the quantity bought, so there's no limit on how many you can buy, you can choose it yourself. And then the total quantity bought when the seven days are gone becomes the print run of that card. So the total number produced, there will never be more, there will never be less. Um, and that's just a super interesting product. There's, there's a lot of times where you, like I bought Mason Greenwood, and I think it worked out at like three euro per card or something or four, four euro per card. And then he started scoring goals and the cards were selling for like 20 euro each, for example. Right. So tops, tops now is very interesting. There was a Haaland, one of, one of their first ones ever. There was this Haaland for Salzburg that came out and there was the print run was only 176, I think. And those cards are like a few thousand now to buy yeah. and sell because of the limitedness again supply and demand so it's interesting tops are basically doing a really really good job at allowing europeans to get their hands on on product yeah and most of the premium stuff what they what you hear there's like there is some debate over what what's hobby like what does you know hobby capital h mean and what's not hobby but i mean most of the premium products is in the states there are some allowances uh for tops to sell that in europe um right so and yeah, and obviously, like, Tops Now also, like, they've done mad things with that. Like, they have, you know, they've had, like, uh, Joe Biden car- Tops Now cards. And for all their U.S. sports as well, they do Tops Now. So that's an interesting little thing. Keep an eye on because uh, you don't have to buy it on the resale market. Um, you can buy it at retail. Now, we're going to talk about where you can buy cards and all the different ways you can you can obtain the cards you want uh, to collect or to invest. Um, but first, Enzo, I just want to talk a little bit more about what can give a card its value. So... Obviously, number one thing is, what player is it? That yeah. We already kind of talked about that. Obviously, you know, the two kind of most expensive players, I suppose, are, or the four most expensive players uh, are the four players that are generally talked about as the best candidates for best player ever, which is uh, Pele, Diego Maradona, Lionel Messi, and Cristiano Ronaldo. Now, yeah. the good thing about it is, it's not a zero-sum game. There are Pele collectors, there are Maradona collectors, there are Messi collectors, there are Ronaldo collectors. 
and um, they'll all pay top dollar for the premium uh, stuff, the rare stuff for all them. But ends up beyond just the player, and um, I think anyone listening who knows football can imagine who the most valuable players are, although I think they'd be surprised. Um, there's also the team they play for or the national team they play for, like Americans have a premium because the American collector base is bigger. But there's also this idea, Enzo, of rookie cards. So for anyone who doesn't know what a rookie is or doesn't quite understand why it's a big thing and because they might never have heard a rookie before, what is this? Yeah, so it's important to just know that the market at the minute, because the hobby market at the minute is... Um, us dominated it's starting to grow in europe but there's still a lot of kind of the basketball baseball nfl kind of um i guess rules that are still kind of attached to cards yeah. and that's where so basically if you think of like rookies to like in the nba you have a draft day like basically kids from college draft into the big leagues and they're it's their rookie year and like rookie is such a big thing in the states i think everyone's kind of aware of that and that has fallen through in, into soccer. So although we wouldn't talk about a player's rookie year in soccer, you know, we talk about their debut, but we wouldn't, you know, most of your rookie year, you're not getting a lot of minutes. You're not really playing. Like, it's not really yeah. no, notable. Like how, do you count, how do you count, what, you know, if you make one appearance? Like, if you get five first team minutes in a season, is that your rookie year? Yeah, so like it's, it's... Yeah. But the value, the value essentially comes from... I'll use Messi as an example. The value just comes from, as I'm sure people can understand this, the very first ever print... Of, of a player so a player like Lionel Messi he's so so talented you think of you think of Topps Chrome say if Topps Chrome for football has been out for 20 years for example hasn't it's only been out for like three but say it was around for 20 years Messi would have say like 18 Topps Chrome cards yeah so what what differentiates his ninth Topps Chrome and his 10th Topps Chrome card like there's certain things like you know t- 2011 2012 when he had or 2012 yeah 2012 when he had that 91 goal year Maybe that card would increase in value. We're not really there as a market. The market hasn't developed to a point where they're kind of respecting shit like that, which it should. So the, the kind of the key thing is like you only ever have your first first card. Yeah. You know. So and then so that kind sometimes of, sorry sometimes a player's quote unquote rookie season will coincide with their first release. So like to think of an example, like Eduardo Camavinga made his debut last season uh, for Ren broke out last season that was his rookie year and he also had a panini foot uh, which is the french league uh, sticker collection sticker from that year so camavinga his rookie year and his rookie card are from the same year someone like matt doherty uh he had his rookie year for bows maybe 12 13 years ago um bohemians dublin friendly doesn't know bows are uh, and yet he had his his quote-unquote rookie card I don't know, last year, the year before, something like that. Yeah, because like, th- there's not sets really for everything. There's no stickers for every single league or some players go under the radar. Like if you're in, like there's no, if you if you find a player that's in the championship and he's brilliant and da da da, he needs, he needs a move to like a, a bigger league to, to actually end yep. up with a card or a sticker. Um, but listen, um, so sometimes a player in, in a year can have multiple releases so it's still their rookie year they have multiple releases that blurs the lines because like it's not really like i say it's the first print but it's that kind of matters but doesn't matter like if if something gets released and then two months later another thing is released and it's in the same calendar year the value kind of goes like there's no rule that the first one that came out is the the same the same season not the same calendar year yeah the same season though but that yeah that's what i mean yeah so like for instance like if like if someone had a card came out in march for 2018 2019 
and then it came out in September for 29 to 2020. The, the second one is in a different season, so that's not a rookie card, even though they're out the same. They're out two months apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah I get you. Sorry, same season. So that's that's where like value really kind of gets a bit messy. So if you think of for starters, like Kylian Mbappe, mm-hmm. his Panini foot 2016-2017 was the only season release of Mbappe. Yeah. And so that sticker became this kind of holy grail sticker. But if in the same year he had had a Topps Chrome, the Topps Chrome would have taken precedence over that sticker, most likely. There's certain things that could have changed that, but most likely the Topps Chrome would have. But because the Topps Chrome came out a year later in a different Mm -hmm. uh, season, even though it was a premium product and it went for a lot of money, you can't knock, you can't, like, there's no blurred lines in the fact that his rookie was the Panini foot 2016 2017 yes so compare say Kylian Mbappe who has this one release in his rookie season and uh and again by the way I I learned this the hard way if you're sitting and you're wincing every time I say rookie season you have to just kind of swallow that and get over it like it's it's just knock it down the hatch and let's go because you you'll spend a lot of energy tutting and hemming and hawing at all this uh, all this americanized uh, vocabulary um but the way it is that's the way it's going to be for for the next little while until we kind of globalize the hobby so just when i say rookie season just relax um uh, that's me <laughs> talking to my past self but like that is a good Mbappe, note though yeah it is, is isn't it it's like don't I think, fight it yeah i think we we're so in it now that we kind of say it naturally as like even though it is it's very unnatural to talk about a rookie year rookie season but it's that's the hobby that is hobby talk we're not talking soccer we'd never say wow eduardo camavinga had a great rookie year like that's not yeah i wouldn't even say soccer but i that's what we named the show yeah i know clickbait it's just like clickbait so anyway um what was i saying oh yeah right so mbappe has this uh, single release during his rookie season compare that to uh, mason greenwood who in 2019-2020 had his quote-unquote rookie season and he had a premier league sticker yeah, uh, made by Panini, but he also had loads of other stuff. So he had a Tops Now. He had uh, what else? Did he have. He had Chronicles. Chronicles. Did he have a living? The living he did, set. Yeah. Right. So, he, so if you imagine as an investor or as a collector, all of the people that want Mason Greenwood rookies have loads of options to choose from. So the money, the the Mason Greenwood collector's money. If you imagine a single person, which is not a single person, but if you imagine a single person, his or her money can go to any variety of different cards in that year. So the money is spread out, so the values are slightly depressed over a curve. But if you imagine for Mbappe, if you want an Mbappe rookie card, there's only one place you can go, which is why his value is so high, because his value is that that card's value is essentially the sum of all Mason Greenwood's cards rookie value. Yeah. That was kind of rambling, but just wanted to get it out there. No, it does make sense. And then like that's where so the tops now again it depends how many people buy it the print run so i think print run on mason greenwood was either eleven thousand or thirteen thousand. i think eleven thousand right. say about ten thousand, for example so there's about ten thousand of them made if there was only like 300 made which happens sometimes suddenly that becomes the card to have and um, his sticker his sticker did like come out a good few months before everything else so like for me personally just and this goes down to personal preference i value his sticker a lot like that's what i went in on that's what i bought he actually he had a panini 365 sticker as well but we won't get into that um yeah panini but, 365 is a different collection altogether yeah but um in in that kind of year i guess his kind of more, most sought after card came from chronicles so probably his either his so chronicles is like a weird set panini puts out that has multiple 
of its different brands in the box. Mm. Right? So there's Prism in the box. There is, and a few other, like Don Ross is in the box. So he had a Don Ross rated rookie card in that, which is probably, like that and the rookie ticket are probably the two most sought after Mason Greenwood cards in, not in base version, in parallel version. So basically because they're kind of more premium product, there's parallel. So then suddenly you can have a Mason Greenwood rookie year card that's numbered to 99. Yeah. That becomes this, you know, absolutely huge thing. Yeah. Okay, so that's roughly how cards get their value is because rookies are valued. But sorry, like Enzo was saying about there could be, you could have a tops now of a player, right? A tops now card of a player. That's the only card that comes out for them for the entire year. And Ryan Jerky had. Yeah, so for Ryan Jerky, so his last year he had a tops now card. He wasn't in any other release. The print run was 7,000, was it? Oh, no, it wasn't I, think it was I don't know. Anyway, but imagine the print one was was only a hundred, right? Imagine there's this hundred cards of Ryan Cherokee tops now. It's his only release, and there's only a hundred cards from his rookie year. The value of that would be limited if Ryan Cherokee had a terrible leg break and never played football again. So that's what I mean. So always think back to player first, rookie second, type of card third, and that's a good yeah. kind of guide. Um. And by the way, there are some people out there who collect a certain player and who will pay mad money because you happen to be sitting on a, a Ben Foster uh, for Watford parallel card, one of 10. I saw that in a Discord group recently and I was like, what? Um, <laughs> so anyway, right. We're 40 minutes in and we haven't even talked about getting cards. Fuck. <laughs> Enzo, if I want to buy a card, my options are retail yeah so my options are depending on where i am brick and mortar retail online retail or and we're including online retail like from the actual company like from panini or tops are also from an online distributor or resale resale could be on ebay could be on a private settlement on twitter or on discord or something like that give us a little just rundown of where i can buy stuff yeah so panini website um, for certain products, not really too. You're not. You're not going to end a lot of the the good stuff there. To be honest, um, I think Panini America might ship to Ireland, but then there's customs on it. I don't know. That's messy. But Tops is a great site to get your good shit at retail price. Um, the premium shit, Tops now, Tops on demand. They're basically Tops are doing a much better job than Panini in terms of getting it to Europe. I'm assuming you're in Europe. Like, this is kind of, I'm almost speaking to the European people here. If you're in the States, you know, Walmart, Target must be nice. Um, you'll see, you'll see, you know, people go to Target or to Walmart or we did it. I did a feature recently on the show telling a story of a gunfight that broke out in front of a Walmart over who got a, a, a hobby box of cards. Um, but yeah, but we generally have to go online because they don't just stock them. And then you can get like Premier League stickers. Um, and you can get some sticker collections in, in regular shops uh, here, but not the premium stuff. Yeah, so eBay is pretty much the home of the hobby. Unfortunately, I would say unfortunately, um, but it is the home. It is it is where you're at. That's kind of where you make your money. If if you can't get anything at retail, because retail like you can buy a box and then sell it straight away for more money because all the boxes are designed to sell out. Everything is limited. The supply is always lower, much lower than the demand. So it's 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 in, a, in most cases. Yeah, in most cases, it is a gold rush for the premium products at retail 
like um tops chrome champions league is going to sell out in a few minutes for example it's not even ifs but it's a fact it's a fact and it'll sell for three four five six seven times the amount because it's premium product so if you're just here with a bit of money and you want to buy a card it is pretty much ebay is your go-to you can make a lot of cash on ebay if you like if you're picking up a player you believe in and no one else are you talking about him like for example we bought ferran torres before he signed for manchester city he scored a hat-trick yesterday and now recording yeah yeah and now people are rushing to buy and now we're sitting on our i'd say i have about a thousand euro worth of ferran torres that that was bought for under 100 so i'm very happy lovely that's a nice 10x there yeah but yeah so you can buy when people say buy cards there's different things you can buy you could buy a single card like you can go out and buy and i'm including like you could buy multiple single cards if that makes any sense so you could buy two or three off a certain person but like you can buy a single card like if you really want to get um you know neymar's i don't know first sticker from santos from the panini brazil uh collection um, you can go and just buy that card, buy that sticker on its own uh, on eBay, or you might be able to find a box of Panini Brazilian Serie A uh, stickers. Two thousand eight or you know, seven, whenever it is, and you buy it, and then you you get the sealed box, and you keep that, or you open it. And um, if somebody opens uh, a sealed uh, product in the hobby, it's called ripping. Um, and just so that if you hear people saying ripping boxes, that's what they mean. Yeah, and, and some people- uh, yeah. Can you put in there? Some people uh, who will buy lots of uh, hobby product will actually, so they could sell the box or sometimes they break the box. So that's kind of this kind of like roulette table kind of thing whereby there's someone doing a live stream, they're breaking a box and you would pay into a box break. So say if there's 10 packets in it, you might buy the seventh slot. So the seventh packet he opens, everything in it is yours or you can pay for a specific team. So if he's opening a Topps Chrome, say for example, Champions League box, you might pay for Dortmund. And then if he pulls Haaland or Sancho, that's your card now. So that's kind of a yeah. thing. Now, I, I do want to say, sorry, on the, on the topic of box breaks, there's a lot of new breakers, uh, breaker being someone who breaks, there's a lot of new breakers popping up in the market. Um, it's a very popular thing in, in the States and, and it's popping up in Europe now, especially a lot. And the current state of the breaking market is, I would say, extremely inflated. Um, if you are starting off the market we're in right now, assuming you're listening to this in 2020 or early 2021, um, but probably regardless of when you're listening to it, the state of the resale market is such that you can get good prices on stuff that you want and stuff that you will make money on. Uh, breaking has become kind of this little bubble in and of itself. And oftentimes you'll be paying extortionate prices. So don't don't buy into a break until you know why you're buying into it and you've been in the hobby for i'm giving you a a hard and fast rule do not buy into your first break before you've been in the hobby for 90 days Ooh, that's my rule yeah i i I, listen i've been in the hobby for a long time now i haven't ever done a break and like got involved in one because to be honest they are they're very expensive but they uh, people are getting a lot of enjoyment out of a lot of content yeah it's really it's it's entertainment value as well as yeah it's kind of gambling to be fair as well like it really is just a gamble yeah. and um, but yeah some people you get lucky sometimes you don't whatever it is and um, so yeah ebay like honestly when when boxes come out like, like top scrum is going to come out with top scrum champions league and it's going to be very very expensive if you miss out on retail yeah but when people actually open the boxes the contents of it can be are being resold for very very cheap potentially mm-hmm. you know so there's definitely if you have your eye on a specific player 
hop on eBay and look for people that have opened a box and are now selling the player, they probably don't rate them the way you do. And then suddenly, you know, three months down the line, you have yourself profit. Yeah, so you like, there's, there's also this thing of Enzo, a phrase that you taught me very, very early on, which is when it comes to investment, when it comes to trading, when it comes to reselling, if you have a sealed box, um, which, which you refer to as wax, sealed wax in the hobby, um, if you have a sealed wax, if the box is closed, you own the box. The box is open, the box owns you. Yeah. What does that mean? Well, I have a Tops Champions League museum box here with me at work. Um, bought it for 100 and about 115 I think. And it sells for about 350 I think, at the minute. Mm-hmm. But if I open that box, Jason, the likelihood of me having 350 worth of cards yes. inside it isn't i mean it, it, it uh, it's a gamble it's a gamble do you know what i mean like you yeah, have, you could end up with cards worth a few thousand uh, could, uh, yeah it could, it could be worth you could open it worth three thousand or you could open it and it could be worth uh, 20 could yeah, be worth so 20 yeah it's not i mean no in fairness those boxes have two autographs in it so i'd say you get more than 20 no matter who you have but yeah going back to that inherent value thing in the premium sets yeah, premium set, inherent value. There's two autographs. Uh, no, there's an autograph and then there's a jersey card and there's a jewel, so an auto and a jersey on card. But it could be of Messi or it could be of Sergi Roberto, you know? Mm. So yeah. it, it's and a gamble. All due so, respect to Sergi Roberto, he's no Lionel Messi. No, so if you had so if you had 10 boxes, for example, right? So you spent a thousand euro, you got 10 boxes. You can now sell them boxes for three and a half grand. Yeah, you are, you are pretty much guaranteed your two and a half grand. But if you open each of those boxes, you might think ten boxes. I could hit a Messi, and I could you know make that and silver boxes. Sealed wax. It's it's a weird game. It's essentially like if you keep it closed, you're guaranteed. You're not taking the risk. There's inherent value in a closed box, and someone will buy the gamble. Yeah. So um, it's I like, always recommend. Yeah. Go ahead. Do you have to I was to gonna say? say it's like having a lottery ticket, selling it before the numbers come out and after the numbers come out yeah yeah well it's yeah it's like as if as if like there's a raffle going on and there's a uh, so it's like someone buying a raffle ticket off you yeah so you you could stay in the raffle if you wanted to or you could just say i'm cashing out it's like cashing out a bet or something you say i'm cashing out i'm selling the box i don't want to take the risk yeah so like when you when you get your hands on premium product you can literally it doesn't matter what's inside it you can profit off the premium product and that's kind of where we are in the hobby at the minute if you buy a top chrome at reset at retail you will be able to sell that for more money you will make money if you guess and you can go on ebay and you can buy boxes that are still sealed from all different kinds of sets so if you want to look at the various uh, sets that have come out over the years or you want to look at some of the sticker sets as well and um, like some of the world cup sticker boxes or some of the leagues various sticker boxes you can use um enters already mentioned cardboardconnections.com yeah. Um, well, is it connections sticker? or connection? Cardboard connection. Cardboard connect. Just search cardboard connection and well, laststicker.com as well. Yeah, laststicker.com will give you a full breakdown of checklists. It's a really, really good, really, really good site. Yeah. So you can buy singles or you can buy boxes or you can buy sometimes loose packs from boxes. Generally, avoid loose packs. Um, yeah. Certainly, what's happened is if someone's buying, someone's selling loose packs, they've opened the box, found whatever they're looking for, and now they're selling off the rest of the packs. Yeah. Um, avoid, avoid that yeah also Enzo we have to talk about two things we're going to talk about grading and what graded cards are in just a few minutes um, but first people can also buy cards that don't fit into 
uh, these modern categories, uh, and a lot of them are vintage cards. Um, vintage for soccer, I suppose, is any. It's much goes back much further than most other vintage in most other vintage sports. Vintage for soccer probably goes back anything before nineteen ninety eight is vintage in soccer. Yeah, um, I think a lot of people kind of value vintage. No, people would say. Again, the goalpost moves, but I'd say 1980 backwards is vintage, vintage. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So vintage cards and vintage... There's not many vintage cards out there for soccer. It's mostly stickers uh, and, and old-style cigarette cards and stuff like that um, going back. And there's a whole vintage thing out there. And again, if you're someone who's interested in football or who wants to get into it um, because, you know, you, you reckon you're a good fantasy sports player or you have your finger on the pulse up to the minute... Um, then maybe this is this is the one for you. Maybe you want to say, I want to trade in modern cards. Or maybe if you're someone who, you know, when you're not watching football, you're always reading uh, books about it, you're watching documentaries about it, you're absolute mad for the history of it. Um, maybe you'll know who are the all-time greats or what's significant or what, and you want to get into the vintage market. We're catering this um, podcast and this most of our episodes are, are to kind of current modern goings on and there is a whole other vintage thing going on and we'll give you some ideas of where you can go to find out more about vintage at the end of the show um so enzo ebay is a whole other world we have it we have a, a podcast uh, i did an interview with the man who was the first customer service representative hired by ebay and um, james griff it aka griff and uh, yeah you can go and listen to that it's in our podcast feed look for the episode with griff from ebay give you an introduction to ebay uh, and so there's also some alternative ways to own cards or buy cards like on com c or fractional ownership that's all pretty advanced stuff if somebody wants to know about that they can send us a question about it to answer on our q a show postcards united i think yeah there's, there's um so com c is just um check out my cards that's a really good one so basically that's one just for the people quickly instead of everything is kind of housed in the united states so you'd buy cards that are already essentially in a warehouse somewhere yeah. and then you become the owner of them. They don't actually get sent to you. They're just still in that warehouse. So then you can sell it without ever having to actually receive the card yourself. Or you could, you know, build up a little pile and say, give me these 20 cards and now send them to my house. So or it's kind of, you could say, send them degrading for me. Yeah. So it, it's an interesting, there's a, there's a lot happening at the minute. eBay is not the perfect marketplace. So there's a lot of like room for disruptive innovation. And that's kind of where check out my cards came from. And there's lots of others kind of bubbling under the surface, but like, eBay is kind of the most established one. Yeah, start on eBay and and go from there. And there's loads of stuff happening. The space is constantly evolving. Um, But yeah, let's talk about grading, Enzo. Um, I want to talk just really briefly. I looked up earlier the most expensive sports cards ever sold. Uh, So this is not just soccer. This is Annie, right? Um, And if we look at them, uh, Mike Mike Trout, who is a baseball player, uh, he has the most expensive card ever sold, uh, adjusted for inflation. It was sold for $3,936,000, uh, and that was from 2009. It was Mike Trout's one-of-one one, uh, from his rookie year, I think, and it was a BGS Mint 9. So Oof. what does that mean, BGS Mint <laughs> 9? What's BGS? What's Mint? What's 9? We'll start with what's grading, Jason. Okay. So this is a, again, if you're coming into the hobby and you're kind of, you have a lot of money to spend, yeah, then you should not mess with what is known as a raw card, which is kind of just a normal standard card out of the pack. You want to be in graded. Gra- grading, essentially like what it is, 
is it is quantifying the condition of a card. Yes. So somebody, so basically so sorry so somebody had to at some at some point condition became a problem and um, because if we all kept our cards as fresh as they came or all cards were produced absolutely perfectly and every card was just glistening and, and perfect that would be fine every card would be worth the exact same but every card's condition is not the same some are printed badly some are damaged some are uh, worn um, and not all cards are created equal and there has to be there was a, a hunger at some point for someone like a regulatory authority to come and decide which cards are in better condition to create a scale and various companies have come in to fill that need and the main ones are PSA, BGS, SGC. Yeah, pretty much in that order as well. I'd say PSA is creme de la creme, BGS is just behind them but there is a debate there and then SGC is kind of a new gun in the market that is getting respect and mostly gets its respect for vintage. Um, Essentially, yeah, it's standardizing the cards. So I could have a card... Like, I have a um, Furan Torres Mega Cracks for sale for €38, Euro, and it's, like, the cheapest one for sale. But there was one up for €22, Euro, right? Right. So on eBay, if you're looking at that, you're like, why are you trying to sell it for 38 This is 22 But the one for 22 was in terrible condition, right? So it's not... This, we're not selling... Like, we're selling the same player, same set, same, quote-unquote, same card, but we're not selling the same card if that makes sense like the because it's not actually the same card because individual cards have individual yeah because obviously and it makes sense like if you want to buy if jason's selling an iphone and i'm selling an iphone but his has a big crack down the middle yeah he shouldn't be selling his for the same as mine so but that's essentially it so grading came in to standardize it so again if you have grading kind of legitimizes everything a lot more like a psa 9 of jason's iphone for example use a terrible yeah. example but jason's iphone and then if my iphone is also then psa 9 then our iphones are in equivalent conditions so when his sells for 1000 that's the benchmark for what i should be able to price mine at because it is the same that's how yes. that kind of comes so um yeah so it's easy to if you're saying right what is the card worth in in my collection if it's graded then you have a very clear idea of what it is worth and what your portfolio is worth okay so let's talk about you generally start off buying raw cards raw means ungraded and yeah. uh, then at some point you may decide i want to grade these because let's say you had a rare card going back to grading is is you know grading costs money so if you invest the money to grade a card that brings back dividends both in the fact that well now it's worth whatever its condition is but also because you've paid for the grading so now you can at least charge for that card how much it costs to grade yeah. Um, if you can ever buy a card for less than it would have cost you to grade that card, then you've automatically made a profit because you have the the grade, even if it's nothing else. Um, so if someone wants to grade, if they're in America, they can they can submit. You'll hear people talking about grading subs. It just means submissions. And um, they can just send them off to the grading company. Here's my cards. Please grade them. A uh, grading company takes as long as it takes, which is generally at least a few weeks, up to a few months, up to many, many months. And they send you back... Um, your cards in their own kind of like graded cases called slabs and um, it's all very simple in the states or at least it's it's simple compared to what happens if you're not in the states and so if you or i wanted to grade a card tell us about what that would involve okay first of all when you first start out like if, if you're starting out to buy and sell in quick like if you have lots of money then you don't have to start with raw like yeah. if you if you have lots of money and you you've educated yourself and you're like i really rate joel felix I'm going to buy all of his PSA 10 Topps Chromes rookie cards. Great. 
that's fun. You know, you're, you're doing that's great. the best possible start. Literally, that's the, you're sorted, right? Um, if you have like grading could cost like eight euro per card if you're sending it in maybe like 100 cards, right? So 800 euro, but the value quickly comes back to you, no problem. But that's only if you know what you're doing because grading is a tricky business. Mm-hmm. A card is graded on its corners, its edges, its centering, and its surface. Right. Right. The centering would get a lot of people. So centering and surface. So corners, you can clearly see if a corner is fucked up or not. The edges, you look around the perimeter, is there any whitening, etc. Yeah. And um, the surface, you know, you could have a surface scratch that you can't see when you look at it. You know, you need to tilt it in a light so that can kind of mess you up. And then centering is literally how the card was printed. So you can open a brand new box, open a brand new packet, you know, take a card, put it in its protective sleeve, loader, everything. Doesn't mean it's a 10 because... Mm. It could just be, there could be issues in the manufacturing process, which is it's centering, or yeah. there could be print errors. So that's part of the surface. There could be blemishes. There could be whatever. So it's not as easy as, you know, I open the pack and I'm grading it. So be careful in that regard because you could lose a lot of money sending shiploads of shit to be graded and they get they come back as eights and sevens and sixes. Yeah. And for people in Europe, if you want to send a grade, uh, card to be graded, uh, or you want to send a load of cards to be graded, there are some services available um, which will reduce everyone's cost um, by sending many different people's uh, submissions together. They'll essentially send consignments of, of cards to be graded to the grading uh, companies. Uh, so I think Graded Gem is one such service. Uh, what's uh, the one that L- starts Lutkins. with? Lutkins. Yeah, 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 yeah. As well. So there's, these are various companies and you're free to examine those on, on your own time. Uh, graded Gem and Lutkins will, will lead and you, you're where allowed, you where you need to go. you're able to send them yourself. Like you can send... Yeah. You, even in Europe, you can make your own submission. And um, there is this kind of thing, I think, if you sent it to the States, Jason, you'd have to pay whatever money. There is like this kind of extra commission. Say if you send everything and everything is a 10, there is like this extra commission you then pay for against the insurance to send it back to you, basically. Um, and then I'm pretty sure getting stuff back from the States, even though it's your own stuff and you sent it, you then have to pay customs on its way back. Yeah, whereas I don't think the consignment companies have such big customs costs because they're doing they're doing it commercially i think as opposed to just importing goods for personal use um so there's that and um what what else did i want to say about grading um oh you can still even if you're not ready to grade there's a lot of value that can be got from the grading websites so for example if you go into psa is the best one for this it's the easiest to use if you go into psa they have a tab on their website so psa grading they have a tab on their website called population reports and so there is like that's a great way for you to find a player's rookie card if you don't know it so if you just type in a a soccer player's name so if you type in like cristiano ronaldo um, and make sure that you're filtered on cards because sometimes they they grade as well like match day tickets so Mm -hmm. avoid the tickets look at just cards you know normally it's not perfect but like i would say within the first five results that pop up one of them is most likely the rookie. Mostly it's the first or second one that comes up, but it's pretty much within the five, the rookie is in there. So, and especially if it's like, like if you type in Zlatan Ibrahimovic, you're going to see when his first card was made because the year is there, etc. If you click onto it, you can see how many of these have been submitted to grading. You can see an individual grading breakdown, how many tens, how many nines, how many eights. And then if anyone has ever sold a card, because they're all serial numbered, there's like an, uh, there's an APR tab which basically shows kind of the the auction price like whatever it sold at so you click onto that and you can see historical sales data of each thing per grade which is really 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 helpful to kind of see what's underpriced what's overpriced what is the value of something like 
can we bring in can i talk about the 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 psa the messi's ronaldo's yeah so before before you do that just one second so obviously one thing that will come up if you're people ask where to sell cards sell cards wherever you buy your cards um is seldom there so like ebay or seldom on on your own twitter or on a facebook group or something like that and um, selling cards is basically done on a resale site like ebay or or you can sell cards on comp c so selling is just the opposite of buying as everybody it's a stupid thing to say anyway um but if you wanted to uh find out what price you should sell your cards for then you'd if it was graded you could maybe go onto the psa website and see what these psa grades are selling for if it was raw or if it was a box or whatever it is you can search on ebay uh, for that item and then uh, filter for sold items and see what they're selling for on ebay sold and completed items um, and some of those uh, sold items from the psa uh, auctions enzo um you have some of those some examples yeah, so just to kind of give people a quick, quick breakdown of the hobby, there is currently, on PSA, there is currently around 70,000 soccer cards graded ever. Right. Now, that might kind of go up to about 120,000 ever because sometime back in the day, PSA didn't, they put soccer in the other group instead of a soccer category. Yeah. But, you know, about 120,000. For baseball, there's about, for, for context, for baseball, there's about 16 million graded cards. Yeah. There are more graded golf cards uh, than there are graded soccer cards. And again, what sport is bigger, which has the global appeal, blah, blah, blah. This is just kind of talking about the future, which we will get to later on. So I took out a few examples just to kind of give people an idea. So we are looking at Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi and Mbappe's rookie cards. Okay. Okay. So for Ronaldo, it is a Panini Mega Cracks card back from his sport in Lisbon days. Uh, for Messi, it's a Barcelona Mega Cracks card. So just sorry, um, just Mega Cracks are like, so Panini produced stickers for Spain and Portugal, but then they also produce they also produce these Mega Cracks, which are like basically like a halfway house, but they're not stickers, but they're not like the premium cards either. But they're cards, yeah. yeah. But they are cards. Sorry, I just wanted to say what that was. Yeah, perfect. They're just a brand, really, right? So yeah, Ronaldo's the Portuguese Mega Cracks, uh, Messi the mm-hmm. Spanish Mega Cracks. And then Kylian Mbappe, which is a Panini foot sticker. Um, so we're just looking at the PSA 10s of these. So the gem mints, the creme de la creme, the best right. that you can have. Uh, for Cristiano Ronaldo, there has been 132 of his Mega Cracks graded ever. Okay. Uh, 41 of these are PSA 10. Okay. Okay. The most recent sale, which was maybe last month or the month before, for a PSA 10 Cristiano Ronaldo was 41000 All right. $41,000, Jesus. I think dollars, yeah. Lionel Messi, there is 202 graded ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just PSA. Some are graded with BGS, so like that's Of course, different. yeah, yeah. This is just PSA. Uh, 20 of these were PSA 10. Right. Uh, the most recent sale of that was $117,000. Good Lord. And that, just for the record, that is going to be a million dollar card. That is Lionel Messi's rookie card. Yeah, his 71 BIS, I think it is, or 72 BIS. I can't, one of them, one of them numbers is related to Ansu Fahi. One is Lionel Messi. Pretty sure it is the 71 (laughs) BIS. A BIS is like update. So that happens in Spain. There's like an, like they'd put out a set and then they'd update it with any of the new players coming in. So that's where that came from. Gotcha. Kylian Mbappe. So those are about, you know, pretty much 2003, 2004, 2002, 2002 to 2004 range. So about 16 years ago. Go to a more modern example in Mbappe, but still, you know, global superstar. Um, 
his Panini foot sticker, there has been 584 graded. So, you know, nearly double, more than double that of Messi and Ronaldo. 121 of these were PSA 10. I have not jotted down the sales data for that, though. Okay, it's it's all right. So I just wanted to say that one thing you've seen there is, or you would have seen there if Enzo had kept going, is that um, for older cards and for rarer cards, but generally just say older cards, there is more value held the the lower in grades you go. So, for instance, if you had a Diego Maradona uh, from 1978 um, and that was a PSA 6, that would be worth more than a Lionel Messi from 2004 PSA 6 because, obviously, it's yeah. older. There are less. So, again, like always, just if you ever just get confused or you're just worried about... A lot of it is simple supply and demand. Um, and that's kind of like just think about it in in those terms. I know there's a lot of terminology. What set is it? What player is it? Is it a rookie? Is it a what grade is it? What year is it? All that stuff. But every time you hear a parameter or you hear a criteria, you have to think, okay, and does that make it more rare or less rare? Does that make it more desirable or less desirable? So it's how yeah. much people want it, and how often can people get it? That's what yeah, you really have to think about. There's pellets out there that are PSA one, but they're so old that that has so much value still. Hmm. Yeah, so that's so, important. Um, right, what else on grading? Uh, I just wanted to touch on... So I wanted to touch on, basically, so there's one more bit of data that I have here, and yeah. then I'm going to link it to something else, right? So just let me get through it, right? So stickers, right? So Messi and Ronaldo's 2006 World Cup stickers. So this is not their rookies. It is, however, their first World Cup. Yeah. Uh, potentially their first appearance in the national kits. Um, not Ronaldo. I think Ronaldo has a Euro 2004, but this is the first World Cup, right? Okay. So that's where okay. the quote-unquote value comes from. And this is just where like an interesting case study can take place on a few different All right. fronts. So I love case studies. Lionel Messi, PSA 10, 6 in existence out of a total of 65 graded. Wow. Ronaldo, 11 out of a total of 59 graded, right? Um. Lionel Messi recently sold for $7,800 PSA 10. Okay. There's questions over the validity of that sale though, shill bidding and stuff like that. We don't know if it was paid, I think. But there was definitely like legitimate bids of, you know, 6,000 in there. Right. Um, and then Ronaldo most recently sold 1,500 PSA 10. Now, this shows us a few things, right? So the value of stickers, right? So getting a, like those stickers in that specific set were really, really poorly cut. I was so gonna. I was gonna say, like, why, like, there's a much lower proportion of those that are PSA tens than of the other cards you were talking about. Yeah, so it's it's just how they're produced and manufactured, which inherently, so stickers are more mass produced. This is this is important, right? Stickers are much much more mass produced than cards, right? Across yeah. the board, right? Okay. So there's more La Liga stickers than there is La Liga Mega Cracks, even. You know, there's yes. just high, high, high production because it's easy, as you can imagine, and cheap to make stickers. Mm-hmm. Um, but the value in stickers starts to come from how difficult they are to grade, especially in certain sets. So yes. as you've experienced, opening a packet of stickers, you can damage your sticker. Yeah, I always do. They're not intended to be, you know, graded, etc. So suddenly you're going to see graded populations of stickers, especially in 10 out of 10, PSA 10, for example. And um, there's going to be lower and then then your supply and demand isn't about the stickers. The supply and demand is how many PSA 10 stickers is there? In Messi's mm. case, there's six of his 2006, you know? Um, and that's where you get into this really interesting game, Jason, of going, okay, 
I'm seeing a Ronaldo sell for one and a half thousand. Yeah. Right? How much is a sealed wax box of 2006 World Cup stickers? You'd go online and what would you see, Jason? How much would they be? Well, at the moment, um, they're about 100 quid a pop. Yeah, okay. So 100 quid if you open that box. Or again, if you keep that box closed, here's an interesting, right? So... You think, you think that the first World Cup is going to get a lot of love down the line. Maybe when the next World Cup is on, people are going to be World Cup fever. Where was Ronaldo's first World Cup? Blah, blah, yeah. blah. So you buy a box for 100. Confident that you've seen a Ronaldo from that box at PSA 10. Sell for one and a half grand, right? Yeah. If that Ronaldo then in a few weeks time, few months time, is now a PSA 10 is now three grand. Mm-hmm. Then surely the value of your box also should go up. Especially if the number of especially if the number of PSA 10s is not increasing that much as the number of graded versions of that card increase. Yeah. So, like, if if we find that there's, there's, you know, twice as many have been graded, but only an extra two have been 10s, yeah. then every time one is graded, that's another one that's not a 10, and people are looking for 10s. So now, if you have a sealed box of this set, you could be like, well, there's nothing to say there's not a 10 in there. And so all of a sudden you have like a Schrodinger's cat, like, you know, the uncertainty thing of like, well, the cat could be alive or dead. It could be a 10 or it could be a six. <laughs> you know? And and you can sell that and say, well, I'm not, you, you can essentially choose to sell the risk and yeah. say, here you go, you open it. Or alternatively, you can hop on eBay and for 100, buy a box, open it and hope it's a 10. And then yeah. if it is, you you know, you've made... And you're not just... You're not opening a box and just getting one sticker. You're getting lots. So maybe you could get a Messi and a Ronaldo. And maybe they're both nines, but now you've tripled your money or quadrupled your money. Yeah. You know? So it's interesting. It's interesting and it is part of the hobby. That's what I just wanted to touch on that as, as an interesting case study. Okay, yeah, I, th- I thought that was good. Um, I know people are probably anxious for us to talk about the investment side of things and where the money comes in and all that stuff. Um, that is too... Talking about investment strategies and what to hold for a long time, what to hold for a short time, what to hold for medium time, when to sell, all that stuff, that will hold across, like, that. that's basically to do with the, the, the different variables, like, has the player moved, Has is the player scoring goals in big matches, are they playing in a World injured? Cup, is he injured, you know, it's like all this stuff going on, so... Investment strategy specifics are not really in the purview of this show, and um, there are other people who will purport to tell you how to invest in soccer cards um i don't think it's an exact science really do you enzo no so we don't want to give anybody specific advice no not really like i mean i guess i would say that you need to be very aware that the market currently is u.s dominated yeah so you're gonna see players maybe that you would rate like joel i think yeah joel felix this is an interesting one Joel Felix versus Christian Pulisic. Yes. Now, I, I don't know how evenly you'd put their kind of talent or their win, their ceiling or whatever, but Pulisic is more expensive because he is American. Yeah, and more people want Pulisic. Yeah, there's a bigger collector base of Pulisic because there's a huge US collector base. And Chelsea fans as well will want them, so that's part of it as well. But it's mainly because he's from the United States. Um. That's important to know. Yeah, so, like... so it's 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 not just like it's this is not a meritocracy. Like any trading platform, it has biases. And um if 
just because a player is a better player than somebody else, they might not go for as much. It's like if if one player, like, I don't know, let me think of an example. Like, is Kai Havertz that much better than Donny van de Beek? Probably not. But he costs more. He's Why? a generational talent, Chief. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, so like, there's, there's obviously, like, it don't get into this idea that it's a complete meritocracy. There is a lag. You know, you can buy players... Because you think like Ferran Torres, you can buy him because you you know he has potential and then he might get a move and he might do great things and he might get picked for his national team and he might score a hat-trick against Germany or he might do nothing, you know? Yeah. Um, so just just to be aware of, of of all the different factors and it's if anyone ever comes along and says, here's a simple one for you, either they don't understand it or they're hoping you don't understand it. <laughs> you know, it's um, for me, because it's an American-dominated uh, market, you need to understand, in my, in my opinion, every young player that we genuinely think is there. I always use Haaland as the example. I think Haaland is a superstar. I think he's going to leave Dortmund to go to a bigger club and continue to score goals. There's not this case. Like You don't have to come in and find an un, an unknown youngster. Like I am convinced if you, if you believe in Haaland, you come in and you buy Haaland now. By the time he moves club, you are going to profit. You know, like it's not... Yeah, yeah, you yeah. haven't missed the boat. Like... The, I always use the example of like, if I was, here's my example, okay? If I went home and turned on a basketball game and was watching some player's rookie year and he was very, very talented, you know, he got MVP, uh, man of the match, I don't fucking know, right? I don't fucking yeah. know, right? MVP, I know, uh, whatever. You right? We get in trouble he, when we talk about American sports because people really I know, but listen, say, no, but what I'm saying is, because I don't watch it, it's fun to watch when I, like, you know what I mean? I don't care, but what I'm saying is, young player, it's his, it's a rookie, you're looking at him. And he has an amazing game. Or maybe you watch three games. He has three amazing games. How easy or difficult would it be for you, not having watched 10 plus years of basketball, to say his ceiling, like he could do better than LeBron James has done? Yeah. Like, no, you don't know. If, if this is a player who's going to be like Danny Ings or he's going to be fucking uh, Alan Shearer. You know, you don't fucking know the difference. Yeah. Right? So, but that, it's an American-dominated market, and a lot of the Americans haven't watched the 10-plus years of soccer because they haven't had it as easily available as they do today, yeah. etc. So when they look at Haaland, they're like, oh, he's very good, but I don't know, like, you know, they can't really see where he's going, where he's not going. So there's still this kind of, there's a, there's, a, there's a lag, like there's opportunity in that if you're a real football, football, football person. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I can yeah. see the difference between a Haaland and a like Remy when people liked him 10 years ago I don't fucking know I, I understand well like because sometimes it will be the case that a player will be great and you'll think oh he's great and then he won't be or he yeah. he won't be for ages and then like he will be like Danny Ings starts playing and you're like oh this fella can bang in a few goals then he has a few fallow years and then eventually pops up and then we score him for Southampton and you're like well I guess I was right but it doesn't <laughs> matter like no, yeah there is also this thing of, uh, I heard Jose Mourinho talking about this on BN Sports uh, before he took over at Spurs, where he was saying that at his first spell at Tottenham, um, he was, no, not, oh my God, his first spell at Chelsea, he was in New York for a match in a preseason tour, um, and the team were in the hotel, and they went for a walk, and they're walking all around Manhattan in New York, and uh, they're in their full Chelsea tracksuits, you know, like everyone's there, uh, and he's walking around, and uh, they just won the league or something, and nobody nobody stopped them. Nobody knew them. Nobody even looked at them or looked twice at them. Right? And part of that is I know people, New Yorkers will say, well, nobody looks at anybody and whatever, right? Then he said, 
then he won the league a few times. They won the uh, FA Cup. They won the League Cup. He went away. The Chelsea won the Champions League. They won the Europa League. Um, then in his second spell at Chelsea, he came back. He won the league. That summer, they went on a tour to New York. They're at the hotel. They go for a walk outside the hotel. They're walking around Manhattan. Nobody notices them. Nobody says hello to them. Nobody does anything to them. The point was, you couldn't have had a more successful team than Chelsea in the last 10 years. And it seems like the story is going to be, the punchline of the story sounds like it's going to be, and all of a sudden, everyone's coming up to them and talk. But no, because in America, soccer just isn't that big. And you yeah. have to, you literally have to be Messi or Ronaldo to make any kind of impact. And that's that's one of the things as well. I think... Like a ma- a young player getting a major transfer, like uh, you know, you know, like when Neymar went to fucking PSG, it was one of those transfers where it was like holy shit. Yeah. Or when Rooney put in a transfer request and it was like holy shit. Or when Fernando Torres went to Chelsea and it was yeah. like holy shit. That holy shit transfer has not happened since the hobby has really existed, and I think if you can pinpoint the player that that's going to happen with, his price is going to go disproportionately through the roof because if it's your first time experiencing that kind of a holy shit transfer it's it's going to be crazy that's something i'm I'm looking at personally i think messi to city could be it but like messi's already messy so i'm trying to like figure out who it is it is. could be halan but i really do think like if mbappe signs whoever yeah mbappe is probably going to be the one in fairness right yeah When yeah. when mbappe leaves psg if he signs for liverpool if he signs for real madrid that's going to be the holy shit transfer for a lot of Americans, and they're going to be like, oh my God, like it happened. Like it's not just a prospect at PSG. Now it's this huge, huge thing. Yeah, because you need as many people looking at football and looking at cards at the same time. So like even like we know in our like podcast, which generally every week covers football, people who aren't mad on football or who are only getting into football or whatever. Um, and we've seen in the few months we've been doing the show, a huge increase in the, in the footballing literacy of our audience and... Uh, you know we're one of the people out there on the front line at the card world being like soccer is cool come and look at this and uh, yeah i know i said soccer get over it and um so right so yeah what else enzo how do i store my cards how do i protect my cards how do i make sure that if i get a card looks nice it doesn't not look nice when i want to sell it yeah so card supplies are a huge huge part of the hobby they're not that expensive they're inexpensive when you buy them in bulk um, so you the basics are you're going to need a penny sleeve which is essentially this little plastic cover that you would get that you'd put your cards into that's called a penny sleeve and then you would put that into a kind of harder plastic ridge called a top loader okay that is the basics of it there is like more to it i guess you know you could have um team you know, bags. When, you, when you yeah team bags which is the plastic bag to kind of lock them in not ne- they're not that necessary they're nice they're nice little touches but they're literally just a little plastic bag with a seal yeah. Um, you don't really need it top loaders penny sleeves is the main shit when you're posting things never use sellotape it's too adhesive you should use electrical tape or um, painter's tape painter's tape yeah um, we've we've done loads of stuff in our early episodes on uh, how to ship cards and all that stuff and basically yeah. if you're shipping a card you need to ship it in a sleeve and don't put a card inside a top loader or a car- card saver is another type of uh, rigid plastic um, holder as well. But you don't need to worry about that generally unless you are grading. Um, but uh, if you are worried about that, send us a message. It's not generally top loaders, penny sleeves will do you for now. And um, 
What yeah, it has it? to so, be in a penny sleeve, then in a top loader. Don't put a card in a top loader because you'll damage it. You need yeah. to go into the penny sleeve first for protection. And that's then, much. yeah, so that's pretty much it. And so you always want to ship it in a penny sleeve, in a top loader, and then some sort of protection. If you're putting it in a normal envelope, uh, then you need to put some bubble wrap around it. If you're putting it in a bubble envelope, it's still... I mean, as a, as a buyer of cards, when I get a card that's inside a bubble mailer, which is the bubble envelope... And it also has some tissue around it or some, uh, I mean, like packing tissue, not <laughs> not like a Kleenex and uh, or some bubble wrap. You know, like as, if you're ever selling cards, and this came up on our, on our eBay episode, which you can go and listen to as well. If you're ever selling anything, even if to you, you're not a seller, it will still pay dividends in terms of eBay feedback, in terms of repeat business, in terms of your reputation. You have to think, how would I like to get this? How would I like to receive this? So... Mm-hmm. Don't start like six months ago. You could, there's a lot of stuff you could get away with. Um, today the market is a lot more conscious and the standards are a lot higher. So, um, if you're not sure how to ship something or you're not sure how to protect your cards, um, go go and find out. You can look at our Instagram or look anywhere. But, um, yeah, yeah, love it. Um, I mean, I think. Apparently, so just a fun, a fun thing for some of the bigger kind of high rollers. There's a, a thing known as the PWCC auctions. They're auctions that happen once a month, kind of towards the end of a month. Normally graded shit is being sold. It's always like a really big thing and it kind of sets the standard month by month by prices for certain uh, kind of high, high-end product. Yeah. So like a messy, like if you're messy uh, graded rookies are going to show up on PWCC auctions pretty much every month. Um, it's a good place just it's it's listen it's addictive to just put everything in your watch list and have a look at it see what prices are yeah um and then so the market itself like if you want to get an update on the market and, and what happened i mean i think we've covered pretty much everything you need to know in terms of what kind of different cards are there where can you find cards all that stuff Um, if you're wondering about your competitive edge whether you're american or whether you're european or whether you're from the rest of the world let's say Americans, I know we were kind of, exclu- we, we, you know, I'm sorry to all of our Australian listeners and our uh, listeners in, in Asia and in Africa um, and in South America, but um, we generally talk about Europe and America. Apologies. But anyway, the competitive edge for a European who knows soccer and is getting into the hobby is that you know what's going to happen in football before it's an old story. You have your finger on the pulse, you know football. The competitive edge for an American who's familiar with card collecting but isn't familiar really with soccer is they know not to buy match attacks. Um, <laughs> so if you know football, that is no excuse. Um, that is no excuse not to educate yourself about the cards or to say, well, I know football. I don't need to learn about how the card market works in the same way that an American came, loads of Americans came in and bought a load of prism cards because they knew that prism was a premium product and they had no idea what players they were buying. They ended up with a load of shit on their hands. So there is no excuse for not educating yourself. You have to know both sides of it. You can have a competitive advantage because you know one side better than the other, but you have to educate yourself. Yep. And I would say like Americans have an advantage as well and just having access to product. And I will also say that the competitive advantage in Europe of, of knowing the football is, you know, day by day, week by week, month by month, uh, dwindling because the Americans are... Catching up really, rapidly. Yeah, really, really. Because I think it's so... I think there's definitely a lot of American listeners that will definitely get offended from us even just saying like oh we have but there is a different there is a different level when you're at the kind of ground level in europe on football but that is changing rapidly but right now i don't know i guess just should we just address are we nearly done do you feel like i I, I think we're nearly done i don't want to i 
basically we're going to go through kind of the state of the market and what players are hot right now and how much things go for and all that stuff i'm not even sure we should actually do that i think that might be a little bit overload just for right now i think if you came into this wondering what the story was with soccer cards and um, the summary is everything we just told you you now know what kind of soccer cards there are what people mean when they say certain things where you can buy where you can sell what grading is uh, how to care for your cards and um, where you can see prices um, and loads of other stuff that I can't even remember we said so much um, <laughs> I did just want to say um, as well that every week we have two episodes of the podcast um, we have a regular episode on a Thursday which basically comes out and this is a special edition but basically it comes out and we talk to either a special guest or we'll have a roundup of the week's football combined with a roundup of the week's card news and then on Mondays we have a show called Postcards United and um, which is where people send us in questions on social media and by email and we answer them on air so if you have any questions you can ask us um, and so what are some recommended resources you would give to people who maybe are interested in grading cards or maybe are interested in the investment side or want to see some pricing data or what are the what are kind of top reading and, and watching and listening uh, resources um i would say the psa grading website okay is really really good that's something that you could spend hours on just looking at like that's where you can really start to find value you can go through you could make a list of like your top 20 favorite soccer players and then go onto that website and suss out each rookie card where is it what is it and then have them on your list if you think okay zlatan ibrahimovic is gonna have a documentary coming out soon he's amazing he's still scoring goals it's fucking nuts uh, he's such a personal brand like he's gonna have multiple hollywood fucking movies coming out or whatever what's his rookie how many are tens what is the price of it do i think it'll go up in value da, da, da. um sold and completed items on ebay is is great when you're when you're looking for something you find it you then just filter it sold completed go through it if you see like prices that are really cheap look at the card make sure the condition is good um pwcc auctions i think are just this really interesting kind of thing where like when something sells on the PWCC auction, it kind of changes the price of everything else that's the same. Yeah. In in that bracket. Um, also, Discord. I want to say, yeah, Discord is a good one. Uh, lo- loads of Discord soccer servers, soccer card servers. Um, then also, like, get on Twitter. Uh, Twitter, like, same as, like, for Football Index and stuff and, and Football Tipsters and all that stuff. There's a big uh, Twitter uh, community. Yeah. Blowout card forms as well is a really, really, really good one. Um, they're kind of online forums super old school but really really educational and good yeah and you can also um i mean some of the other podcasts we have this whole series going on right now on our show um, and i presume whenever you're listening to this you can go back and listen to the episodes or maybe it, the series is still running but it's called uh, hobby who's who and basically we were trying to make an effort to go out and engage with the other content creators people writing blogs people and uh, making podcasts people making youtube videos um, and invite them onto our show and they can introduce themselves and what they do and what they can offer and where you can find them so just uh, personal plug or Chris for, for on behalf of me and Enzo listen to the show subscribe to Soccer Cards United wherever you get podcasts and you will have a twice weekly update on the soccer card market and the soccer card world and you can submit your questions we'll answer them on the air and all that stuff and Enzo I just want to say um, you brought me into this hobby uh, just around July 2020 and it's been an absolute blast and it's been uh, crazy at times difficult at times and um, it seemed like a Ponzi scheme several different times, uh, but it has been great fun and it has been very fruitful as well in terms of the the trading. 
Um, so I just want to encourage anybody who's on the fence to get into it. Uh, have a little, uh, you know, dip your toes in the water, have a little uh, mooch around, see what you can find. It is great fun. And if you can get over all the Americanisms, um, there's really good people too. I love it. I, I also want to say, like, if you're listening to this now, it's very, very early oh, God, in, in yeah, the yeah, soccer yeah, yeah, card yeah, hobby. Yeah. I think you need to look into, like, the basketball card hobby to kind of see certain things. Or so baseball. Think, yeah, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do something on the fly right now. But, like, the as we said, there's, like, 70,000 um, soccer cards graded on PSA's website. So, honestly, every single card graded, every, every card of, you know, a Messi or Ronaldo, one of the greats, is extremely underprint run like you know what i mean like yeah the, p- we're seeing people every single day want to get into the hobby well here's you one know? for you right here's the here's the most expensive sports cards again right so mike trout was nearly four million dollars baseball player honus wagner uh 3.4 million dollars baseball player mickey mantle baseball player uh janice uh i'm not gonna say his second name but he's a, a basketball car- player uh 1.8 million LeBron James, Mike Trout again, Eddie Plank, Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle. How many people have heard of the most famous baseball players? And I mean on earth. How many people have heard of the most famous baseball players, most famous basketball players, most famous American football players? Compared to how many people have heard of Leo Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo? How many people know who Neymar is compared to how many people know who Mickey Mantle is? It's more people. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you even look at like kind of like the LeBron Jameses on Instagram and then compare that to Ronaldo in terms of their followers. Yeah. Like that's another kind of thing. It's essentially like, yeah, I, I just think like people are like, oh, where's this going? What is soccer cards? Is it going to explode? Like, is it going to go bad or whatever? Like the kind of infrastructure is there to see with baseball, with basketball, with football. Yeah. We have a path that we're following. Yeah. It's the same thing. Like basically what, what you're bet like the hobby has always existed like the hobby not always but you know what i mean the hobby <laughs> the eternal. hobby is ho- <laughs> yeah that's so funny um the hobby has been around for so long and has been fruitful for so long and it, ha- it has its ups and downs it's, it has its various there are booms and busts like everything yeah there's booms and busts but like what you're banking on really is is soccer growing in the united states and uh there's like a hundred mls franchises popping up that with a lot of businessmen with a lot of millions that seem to think that's happening there there's an american team that is you know giovanni reina pulisic mckenny like they, they, i think the most recent game they played every player was from overseas yeah Sergio Dest. so you're seeing this weird and like and then the world cup in 2026 yes that's one that's what to keep an eye on people are wondering when do i get out like what's my actual like uh get out plan what's my get out what's my exit plan here like if i put loads of money into this do i just keep it forever when do i get out there is going to be around every world cup there's always a lot of hype and so there's going to be points where you can sell off if you need to in 2022 in 2026 in 2030 but the one we're looking at right now is in 2026 and it's in north america the u.s canada and mexico are sharing the world cup and that's when we expect the hobby to go fully you know cuckoo fucking banana brains and uh yeah especially god forbid if the united states get into like a quarter final of a world oh Cup. it's going to be mental and the cards are going to be going to be incredible so so get in now get in early buy your cards early and often and uh if you have any questions send them in to us um at soccer cards united on instagram or twitter and we will answer them on our q a show other than that i'm losing my voice here enzo jesus christ <clears throat> 
Uh, I think yeah, this has been a complete beginner's guide to soccer cards by Enzo and Jason from Soccer Cards United. Any closing thoughts? Listen, I just hope I answered some people's questions. I hope I have less DMs. <laughs> um, yeah. But listen, welcome to everyone. That's that's we're nearly we're nearly at one thousand on Twitter, which is a big deal for me. Wow. I'm holding down the social media accounts. We're almost also at a thousand on Instagram. It's slightly slightly lagging behind. I'm excited. Do follow us on Twitter and Instagram if you enjoyed the show. Yeah, and to um, all of our listeners uh, who usually listen and who have just heard us explain uh, soccer cards for the first time and who are screaming at their at their phones or at their computers like why didn't you mention this why didn't you mention that that was wrong come on guys we talked about this a few episodes ago um just you know don't tell the new people that we fuck up from time to time i wanted to think they were really perfect uh other than that enzo we'll see the folks Welcome. on monday for a for a q a episode if you're listening to this in isolation subscribe to the podcast get involved welcome to the hobby and uh yeah Kind of a weird, like we're kind of petering out here. I want to think of something to say to really finish us strong, but I don't have anything. Um, I don't, yeah, to be honest with you, Jason, we went through a lot there. I think people are going to be very annoyed with that episode. I think people are going to be, I don't think, like, I don't think the new people are going to like it. I think they're going to be more confused than when they, when they started the episode. I think the old people are going to be like, why couldn't you just do a normal episode? I don't subscribe to be told what a top loader is. Um, <laughs> but yeah, listen. This had to happen. My DMs were flooded and we hope there was value here for the new people. A lot of people did hit me up saying they're looking forward to this. We hope it wasn't too overwhelming. We, uh, Jason, you know, as you got in in July. It didn't, like, it was confusing at the start, but you do. You get you do, there. You get there. <laughs> All right. Welcome. And on that note, welcome. Welcome. And uh, don't worry about it. You'll get there. This is Soccer Cards United. I'm Jason. That's Enzo. And uh, do subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts. And um, whoever sent you here to listen, Uh, text them and say wow that was a great podcast thanks we'll see you when we see you